We are in the second week of a small little series called Post Sunday. A um, couple of weeks ago, we celebrated Easter and specifically the resurrection of Jesus. And um, we said, well, Jesus rose from the dead, but what happened after that? We are living in a post-Sunday experience, a post-Sunday moment where we live as part of this world where we experience Jesus being resurrected. And that's what we're talking about, and we're discussing different characters in the Bible and what we can learn from them to whom Jesus appeared post-Sunday. So if you missed last week, we started off by discussing and chatting about two travelers on the road to Emmaus and what Jesus spoke to them about and what we could learn from that. But today we're jumping to another character in the Bible. So if you've got your Bibles with you, you can turn with me to John chapter 21. We're going to get to that in a little while. So you can keep your finger in there. We're first going to talk about a few other things. But we are talking about Jesus appearing to Peter. Peter was one of the disciples, one of the, the 12, one of the apostles. And in fact, he was one of the more prominent apostles. In fact, Jesus told him at one stage that your name is Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Later on in the Bible, you could actually see that Peter sort of became the leader of the early church in that time. And we're going to talk about what happened when Jesus appeared to Peter. But firstly, I want to know from all of you, who of you have broken a promise before? Okay, this was the time to keep your hand down, all right? It was rhetorical. Because now everybody's looking at you saying, mm. <laughs> The fact is, all of us have broken promises before. I don't think there's anybody here that can say, I've never broken a promise. Even if it was something small, because sometimes we break promises Small, small things, like you get invited to a braai and you say, don't worry, I'll bring the chips. And you get to the braai and you realize, oh, I didn't get the chips. <laughs> well, that's a broken promise. Or you'll, sometimes we, we break promises in that way, it's simply because life happens and things get in the way and you forget simply because you're old. I'm getting there. The gray is starting to catch up with me, and I'm starting to forget stuff. It's horrible. <laughs> and those are minor things, minor promises that we break, which don't really have a massive impact on your life. But I'm sure that most of us that sit here have broken larger promises as well, bigger things, bigger things that actually had an impact on your life. And usually when you break a promise, it's not a good repercussion. It's not something good that comes from breaking a promise. Maybe you made a, a promise to a family member, and you just didn't keep it. And you could still feel the effect of that. Maybe you broke a promise to a son or a daughter, or to a parent. Maybe you stood in front of the altar a couple of years ago, made promises in front of people and in front of God regarding the person you're marrying. Maybe you broke those promises. Maybe you broke a promise in a business deal, something you couldn't keep up your end of the bargain. We all have had those moments. 
We've all had the weak moments in our lives where we made promises, we made bold statements, saying things, truly convinced that that will be the path that we're going to walk, and we broke them. Have you been there? I've been there. And this is where we find Peter. Peter was was one of the apostles, one of the primary guys around Jesus, walking around Jesus. And before Jesus appeared to him, that's where he found himself. Just a bunch of broken promises. Can you imagine what Peter must have felt like? All the promises that he broke. I, I think Peter can be called the biggest loser of the apostles. All right. Because unfortunately for him, I don't know why, but the guys that wrote the letters, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the four disciples that actually wrote the first four books of the New Testament that tell the story of Jesus, for some reason they decided to tell us all about Peter's weaknesses. In fact, we just laughed at this whole story the other day um, where I think it was on Friday morning at the men's prayer, I shared this. So the first person that Jesus appeared to was Mary. And the Bible says this, John writes this, that they ran to the tomb after Mary had told them it was Peter and John running to the tomb. And just to give you an idea of how they wrote, then John, who's writing this, tells you, the reader, that he outran Peter. It's a funny story. Like, why would you put that little detail in there? Just to tell everyone, I'm faster than Peter. Right. <laughs> so Peter's failures and the mistakes that he made are some of the most well-documented in Scripture. None of the other disciples have so many flaws revealed in Scripture like Peter does. They tell you all about his mistakes. And about the times that he failed Jesus. Because we all have broken promises. We've all failed people. And you see in the life of Peter how he fails Jesus at the Last Supper. You remember that story? Remember they got to this place, Jesus told them to go, you know, get a colt and a donkey and whatever, and, and then they had to go prepare this place. And so they walked into the inn or the wherever they, they had their last supper, and they asked for a table of 26. And when they said, table of 26, but you're only 13, then they said, yeah, we're all going to sit on the same side. Think about that. You'll catch it a little bit later. And so... They're seated there, and suddenly Jesus says something to Peter. And Peter gets up and he says, Not me, Lord. Not me. I will not deny you. If everybody here leaves you, if all of these guys, all of these apostles, if they deny you, I won't do it. I will be the one that actually dies for you. And you remember the story. He wasn't the one. He failed Jesus in that courtyard. 
next to a charcoal fire. Three times he denied him. Three times. The one that just prior to this was the one that said, hey, I will die for you, Jesus. I am not the one that's going to leave you. I'm not the one that's going to forsake you. I will be the one that's standing at the last moment when everybody else has ran away. I will be there. And he wasn't that guy. And broken promises do a few things in our lives. If you've ever broken a promise, if you've ever broken a significant promise in your life, you will know that broken promises steal your joy. It steals the joy from your life. Luke 22, after Peter had denied Christ and the rooster had crowed twice, the Bible says he went away and wept bitterly. There was a sorrow in his spirit because he realized what he'd done. Have you ever had that moment where you broke a promise and you just realized, oh my goodness, I just did what I thought I'd never do? Have you had that moment? The joy drains from your spirit. The second thing that broken promises do is it, it robs you of your self-assurance. Because suddenly there's a break in relationship usually. There's a break that comes there. That's the third thing it does. It destroys relationship. And because of the relationship that is destroyed, suddenly you don't have any confidence there. And maybe you've experienced that. You lost your joy in that relationship, whatever it might be, a business relationship, a, a romantic relationship, a family relationship. You lost your joy there because of the broken promise and the relationship was destroyed and suddenly you don't have confidence there anymore. You don't really want to go visit people. You don't want to really want to talk with them. The relationship is sort of strained. And sometimes the relationship disintegrates because of one big broken promise. And it's like somebody just came with an ax and chopped this tree off. At other times, it's many small broken promises over a period. And I've seen this. I've spoken to many people, maybe you've spoken to people as well, that maybe they were, they were married for 10, 15, 20 years, and then suddenly the relationship collapsed. It never happens suddenly. It's usually a culmination of a bunch of broken promises over years. And this is where Peter finds himself. He's got no joy. He probably has no self-confidence because, as you'll see in a moment, he was probably not even with the disciples for a time. He lost his direction. He, he just, perhaps he just ran off. He had no self-confidence. He had no confidence in the relationship, no confidence in himself because he made all these bold statements and now he broke those promises. And I can even sense maybe his, his relationship with the Lord might have been strained. Not because of him, but because of what Peter had done. Saying, but Jesus spoke all these things to me. Jesus 
had all these words of encouragement and prophecy over my life. I mean, Jesus said that I would be the rock that he built his church upon. And, and guess what I did? I denied him. Maybe you find yourself in that place today. A place of regret. And you carry the weight of regret. And you carry the weight of disappointment. And, and not even at another person, at yourself. Because you allowed things to happen. You were the one that broke those promises. You were the one that didn't stick to what you said. And maybe you can just relate with Peter this morning. Can you imagine what he felt like? The one that publicly said, I will not deny you, was the very one that a few hours later did exactly what Jesus said. The one on whom the church should be built, the rock, the strong one, he couldn't hold it together. Can you imagine what he felt like? But then Sunday came. Jesus rose from the grave. And there's one little thing that I think we often don't read in Scripture. When you read the story of the resurrected Jesus, there's something that we sometimes miss. And this is the great news of living post-Sunday. That Jesus knows what we did. In fact, Jesus didn't only know what Peter did, he predicted what Peter was going to do. And sometimes we feel so bad and weighed down by regret and, and things that, that happen in our past that we think, oh Lord, can you ever forgive us? Listen, I want to tell you, God doesn't only know what you did, He knew what you were going to do. He knows. And somewhere we, we might feel, well, we have no right anymore. But the first thing that Jesus does after being raised from the dead, he appeared to Mary and then he told her to do something. And I want you to turn your attention just to that verse. You can keep your, your mark at John 21, but Mark 16, verse 7, it says the following, just the first few words. This is him speaking to Mary. Look at what he does. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter. Why would Jesus include Peter's name? This always astonishes me. Maybe Peter was hiding out somewhere. Maybe Peter didn't want to be with the disciples because he felt bad. He felt some regret. He felt that he let the Lord down. He felt that he let the disciples down, that he couldn't be the one that he thought Jesus thought he could be. And he disappointed everyone. And the first thing that Jesus does is he gets up out of the grave and tells Mary, go tell the disciples, including Peter. I want to tell you today, God, post-Sunday, is looking for you, regardless of what you've done. Because we all need a second chance.
Peter must have asked this question. Do I still qualify? Am I still good enough? After everything that I've done, am I still good enough? And I want to tell you, the first thing that Jesus did, he said, go tell the disciples and tell Peter he's still good enough. And even to this day, I believe God is saying, and Gerald, including Seth, including Yuan, including Colin, including. It's not reserved for some special group of people. Jesus was looking for Peter. And then we get this beautiful story of where he appears to him. He appeared to more than just him, but they had this exchange. So John 21, the first couple of verses, tells you the story of how Jesus walks on the beach, sees the disciples fishing, and asks them, have you caught anything? And they say, no. He says, cast out the nets on the other side, and they catch many fish, and they come out because they recognize Jesus. And on the beach, Jesus had prepared, the Bible specifically says, a charcoal fire and was making breakfast for them. How great is that? <laughs> beach breakfast. Fantastic. Do you know what I always ask when I read this passage? I wonder where Jesus got the fish. Because they were still on the, on the sea. I don't know if there were other fishermen there. Maybe you got a fish there. But so Jesus made breakfast for them, and, and they ran to him, and they sat around. And then this is where we pick up the story. Jesus appearing to Peter and speaking to him. Verse 15 of John 21 says this. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Just hold on there for a moment. What's happening here is a beautiful thing that Jesus is doing. Regardless of Peter's mistakes and his failures, Jesus starts off by asking him a question in front of the very disciples that a couple of days ago, he stood up and said, I love you more than everyone here because I will die for you. And he didn't do it. So Jesus comes and he asks him the same question. Not just do you love me, do you love me more than the people around you? Verse 16, Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Jesus said a third time. He asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. And Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. And then Jesus told him, follow me. We're just going to read up to there for now. 
There is something beautiful in this story. The only other place in the whole book of John that a charcoal fire is referenced, specifically, was the fire where Peter denied Christ. And Jesus comes and appears to Peter and recreates this moment where they are sitting around a charcoal fire with witnesses, exactly what happened in the courtyard. And Jesus gives him the opportunity to redeem himself. Asks him three times. You denied me three times. I'm going to ask you three times. Do you love me? You see, Jesus is not in the business to keep your sins dangling in front of you. But he creates moments in your life where he can restore you completely. Jesus restores Peter completely in front of his peers. And he tells him, I know you've made a mistake, but hey, I love you. My plan for you has not changed. I want to restore you because you deserve a second chance. And I want to tell you, God is the God of second chances. He's telling Peter, you still qualify. But it's not only restoration. It's not only getting him right again. After every single question that Jesus asks him, and Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you, he gives him a job. He tells him to do something. Jesus does not only want to restore you, but he still wants to use you. He's still got a plan for your life. He's still got a purpose for your life. He is still in the business of using you. The things that he has said over your life previously, prior to the fact that you broke some promises and maybe didn't keep up your end of the bargain, Jesus is in the business of restoration and sending you on a new mission. He is still in the business of second chances. And maybe you need a second chance today like Peter. Or maybe you need a third or a fourth or a fifth chance. I don't know. But I believe he is still the one post-Sunday who extends grace to us and says, I don't care what you did because I knew what you were going to do. But now I want to ask you a question. Do you love me? See, we like the story of being restored. We love that. But sometimes we forget the last part. Jesus doesn't only restore so you could live another happy life. He restores because he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And sometimes that plan and purpose for your life is something that you need to surrender to because Peter was told very plainly, listen, there was a time that you could do whatever you like, but if you surrender to my plan for your life, people are going to chain you up. They're going to lead you away. And he was telling them, telling Peter how he was going to die. He said, I'm going to take you to a place that you don't want to go. Sometimes in God's purpose and plan for your life, in the restoration process, he takes you on a journey that you thought you would never go down that route. But let me tell you one thing. That route leads to fulfillment. That path leads to purpose. That path leads closer to God. He wants to restore you. 
He's the God that gives another chance. And you don't only get a chance, he's saying you still qualify. I know you've made mistakes and you might be living with the regrets of those mistakes. But this morning, I want to encourage you and tell you, God is still the God who speaks this morning and says you still qualify. My grace is enough. He completely restored Peter on that beach. And not only restored him, but restored his mission and his purpose and his mandate as well. You still qualify. And that's what I want to pray with you today. I really pray this because I know there are people sitting here with immense regrets, immense heartache, immense pain because of the promises that you broke. And I know you might have a lot of reasons why you broke those promises. But that doesn't take away the hurt, the broken relationship. All our reasons don't restore that. Maybe you're asking the question, do I still qualify? Can God still use me? Am I still part of his family? Am I, am I still worth it? Hey, this morning I want to tell you, post-Sunday, grace is available to you. Second chances are available to you. And God wants to restore you and give you a new mission and a new mandate and a new purpose. And that's what I want to pray for today. And so I'd like you just to close your eyes. I'm not going to ask you to do anything today. Not stand up, not raise a hand, nothing. This is between you and God. The broken promises in your life that caused a split in a relationship, that caused damage to the people around you, that caused you to lose your joy and lose your sense of purpose and your self-confidence and the regrets that weigh you down. Don't you just want to bring that incident before him or those incidents before him? And this morning, I'm going to pray with you that you will experience the restoration of Jesus because that's where we live post Sunday it's a season of grace it's a season of restoration it's a season where Jesus says hey I've got a plan for you I've got a second chance for you and I want you just to bring that in your mind before him and lay it at his feet and I want to pray with you today so, Father, in this moment, I know that there are people listening to me that are weighed down because of the decisions that they made, weighed down because of the regrets of what happened in the past and, and things that didn't work out in the way that they thought it would, weighed down by the fact that promises were broken and it caused havoc in relationships. But, Father, this morning, I believe that through your spirit, you are speaking to hearts and saying, but I can give you a second chance. 
I knew this would happen. And still, I love you. Still, I choose you. Still, I will restore you. And not only you, but I will restore your purpose. I will restore your mandate. I will restore your mission because you are still good enough for me. You carry my DNA. You are my son. You are my daughter. I love you. In spite of what you've done, my arms are open. I am the God that gives second chances. Lord, for those of us sitting here who desperately desire that second chance, I pray that in this moment, the weight of regret will be lifted. Lord, that they will experience in their spirit the restoration of Jesus. That your love will cover a multitude of broken promises. That they, their feet will be set on a new path as they embrace it. Lord, I thank you that your spirit works this morning, moves in people's spirits. Lord, in the areas where no human hand, no human word can touch, there your spirit moves. Thank you for freedom from what happened in the past. Lord, we worship you. We thank you. I thank you for the second chances in my life. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't throw me away, but you came looking for me. And still to this day, you speak love and grace to my spirit. We thank you that you're part of our lives, working in our lives, planning, moving, restoring us, giving us hope, giving us life. And we love you for that. And we thank you for that. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And we all agree and we say,